chapter 10. We are in a study that we started a couple weeks ago on the subject of faith, and we're going through the last part of Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 11, and on into some of Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, in a study on faith, we're laying the foundations up until Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 18, as we've said, everything in that part of the book of Hebrews is saying, God, Christ is better than sacrifice, Christ is better than the priest, Christ is better than the angels, over and over again, Christ is better than all. And then he goes in and he says, after establishing that, therefore, because Christ is better than all, that we should draw near to him, we should hold fast our faith, and we should love one another. That's what he said in verses 19 through 25. We'll begin reading in verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We'll stop reading right there as this is our text for this morning. This last week, I had the opportunity to observe a sentencing in a district court here in Iowa, and and as I entered into the courtroom, I was struck by several things. There, there is a sense of seriousness in a courtroom. You don't come into a courtroom boisterous and just talking and slapping people on the back or anything like that. There was a sense of, of solemn presence there. And, and then when the judge, in this case, a woman judge, when she entered, the people in the courtroom rise out of respect. And, and when she enters, she is in charge. The judge is in charge. I mean, nobody says anything without 
the judge's permission. They are expected to respond in respectful manner. And in this case, it was a sentencing. And in this case, there had been a a plea agreement between the prosecuting and the defense attorney. And that had been presented to the judge. And as she came to give the sentencing, she said, I just want to remind the parties involved, I know that you have presented a plea agreement. I have read through everything. But I want to remind you, she said, that I am not bound to do anything that you have agreed to. In other words, I can do whatever I want, and my decision will be final here today. You can appeal it later. But it was, it was a definite, not arrogantly, not um, boastfully, but it was a definite spirit. I'm in charge, and this is the way it is. And that's the way courts ought to be. And as I observed that, I had already been preparing for this message today. And I observed that, and I I thought, man... I can't imagine to be sitting there, you, you, you hope the sentence is going this way that you agreed to, but you never know, and to be sitting there and to realize my future is in that person's hands. And to realize it's out of my hands. That is a that is an incredible situation that we're in. And it's a situation that every one of us will be in someday in our lives. It won't be a district court of the state of Iowa. The biggest day of your life and my life is still ahead of us. And there is nothing that is going to compare to the biggest day of our lives when we stand before God. He is the judge. He is in charge. His decisions are final. They will not be appealed. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is is bringing out in this passage. We saw last week that faith must be built on knowledge. And then there must be an an acknowledgement of that as, yes, I know that and I acknowledge it as being true. But that isn't faith. Faith then must place their faith and trust, act upon that knowledge and commit themselves to God. So it's the knowledge. I know that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for sins, that He rose again, 
and he offers to whoever trusts him forgiveness of sins and a home eternal in heaven. We sang about the wonderful grace of Jesus. Reaching the most defiled. We, we learn about that. We say, yeah, I believe that's true. But until we personalize it and call upon Jesus Christ to forgive our sins and place our faith and trust in Him and commit to Him knowledge and acknowledging it is not sufficient. And in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, To those of you that got the knowledge of truth, and you may have even acknowledged it, and you may have gone along with it, but you never truly trusted Christ, and you turn away from it, he says, there is a certain fearful expectation of judgment. And he goes on to describe what lies ahead for someone that knows about Christ and has full knowledge of it, but turns away and rejects Christ. He said there is a certain judgment. We're going to we're going to deal with the aspect of judgment this morning. And we first of all realize that judgment is certain. He said there is a judgment. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the same book, it says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, it makes for some humorous jokes, but, you know, the jokes, so-and-so died, went to the pearly gates, and Peter met them there, and, um, and they said, what do I need to do to get into heaven? And there's all kinds of jokes. You have to spell a word. Okay, what word? Any word. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'll spell love. L-O-V-E. Okay, come into heaven. And then the, the joke says, Peter said, I have to take a break and said to this person, can you sit here and do my job? And person said, yeah, I, I think I can do that. Well, his boss that had given him a hard time all his life was a thorn in his flesh, came and stood before him and said, what do I need to do to get into heaven? And he said, just spell a word. He said, what word? Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Some of you I know are thinking, C-Z... The point of this is none of those jokes, as funny as some of them are, are true. When you die, number one, Peter is not at the pearly gates. When you die, you will face one of two judgments, and it matters what you've done in this life. 
There are two separate judgments. We'll go into these in more detail in the adult Sunday school class. But for believers, when we die, we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ during the seven-year period of tribulation. At that judgment, we it's not going to de- be determined who goes to heaven. None of it is like that. As a believer, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So, to, to die as a believer, we're in the presence of the Lord. But there will be the judgment seat of Christ that we will appear before God and we will be rewarded for what we've done for Him and our life since we came to Christ. Our sins are all forgiven. They aren't going to be brought up to us. But our life will be tested by fire and it will be examined and whatever remains will be rewarded. That's the judgment seat of Christ. For unbelievers, they will appear before the great white throne judgment. In Revelation chapter 20, as I said, we don't have time to go into it here. In, in the Sunday school class, we'll go into it in more details. And, and at that judgment, the books will be opened, the books that have the name of everyone who has trusted Christ. And the books will be opened, and it will be shown to them, your name is not in the book. And there's no mistakes in this. And then, as evidence is given that they rejected Christ and did not want Christ, they may have wanted religion, they may have wanted baptism, they may have wanted other things, but they did not trust Christ, they will be separated from God for all eternity. Those are the two judgments. Everyone will someday stand before God. And everyone will give account of himself to God. God is the judge. Judgment is certain, and God is the judge. And in verse 31 of the passage we read, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. History shows us that it is no light thing to stand before God. Especially when we have sinned. Adam and Eve sinned and immediately they fled from the presence of God. They tried to hide themselves. We can go throughout the Bible and kings would, would see a, a revelation of God. Belshazzar turned pale and it says his, his knees smote within him and he, it says he literally fell apart and died when he came to see a glimpse of God. 
We cannot imagine what it is going to be like to stand before God. I've had people say, well, I'll just take my chances. You have no chance. It's not like you're going to go up and smack God on the back and say, hey, good buddy. He is God Almighty. He is the judge. His judgment is final and complete. And when, when it comes to God, we want to hear the sweet side of God, the tender side, the warm side, the the good motivational thing of His grace and not His judgment. But what makes His grace so great is when you realize the awe of His judgment. And in understanding, it is important that we think on His grace, but I really believe that we have been far too silent on the wrath of God. And the writer of Hebrews was not silent on this. And I want to point out to you, just in this passage, a few of the terms that he uses. He said, if you willfully turn away from Christ and reject Jesus Christ, one of the first terms, there is a Fearful expectation of judgment. It is frightful. It is formidable. It it strikes fear in us. Notice he goes on and he said, If anyone rejected Moses' law, he died without mercy in the mouth of two or three witnesses. He said, how much worse do you think it will be not rejecting Moses' law, but rejecting Jesus Christ? Trampling underfoot the Son of God, treating His sacrifice as nothing, And rejecting the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he says, if Moses' violators of his law died without mercy, how much worse do you think it can get? Every day on the face of this earth, every individual receives abundant mercies of God to be at a place To stand before God and have no mercy is a fearful, fearful place to be. And he said, it will be fearful, it will be without mercy. And you notice, he goes on and says, I'm I'm reminding you, verse 30, that vengeance is mine, I will repay. In just a moment, we'll speak more about the vengeance. It's not really necessary like we think of getting revenge in that regard. It is a a vindication of, of justice. It's proving this is true, and you rejected it, but this is still true. 
And he said, this is what God's going to do. And there will be a recompense. We, there will be justice. There will be a repayment for the wrongs that are done. We have the freedom to choose what we do. We do not have the freedom to choose the consequences of what we do. Anyone can choose to believe Jesus Christ or reject Jesus Christ. But no one can determine the consequences of rejecting Christ. And he says, I am the judge. I will make the determination. And he says that there is a fearful it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. There is um, a danger in that. Verse 39, we didn't read it. We'll get to it next week. But it says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. What is perdition? It's entire loss, utter destruction. The utter and final misery and eternal death of a soul. In the next chapter in Hebrews 12, he says, Our God is a consuming fire. It's a fearful expectation. It's a fiery indignation. It is without mercy. It is with vengeance. It is a repayment. It results in, in utter separation and destruction. And it is in this light that one of the things that set the course of our nation was when Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon, didn't really preach a sermon, he read the manuscript of a sermon. They tell us that his eyesight was so bad that he, that he often had to read it like this. It wasn't a dynamic. It, wasn't, it was just matter of fact. And he, he read this sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Let me just read a part of it. O sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in. In the great furnace of wrath, a wide and bottomless pit full of the fire of wrath that you are held over in the hand of that God whose wrath is provoked and incensed as much against you as against many of the damned in hell. You hang by a slender thread with flames of divine wrath flashing about it, and ready every moment to singe it and burn it asunder, and you have no interest in any mediator, and nothing to lay hold of to save yourself, nothing to keep off the flames of wrath, nothing of your own, nothing that you have ever done, nothing that you can do to induce God to spare you one moment. Your wickedness makes you, as it were, as heavy as lead, and to tend downwards with a great weight and pressure 
towards hell. If God should let you go, you would immediately sink and swiftly descend and plunge into the bottomless gulf. You would have no more influence to uphold you and keep you out of hell than a spider's web would have to stop a falling rock. There are the black clouds of God's wrath now hanging directly over your heads, full of the dreadful storm and big with thunder. And were it not for the restraining hand of God, it would immediately burst forth upon you. The sovereign pleasure of God for the present stays His rough wind. Otherwise, it would come with a fury and your destruction would come like a whirlwind and you would be like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. That's just an excerpt of his sermon. That sermon, there were people crying out to God for mercy. It led to the great American awakening, spiritual awakening, in our nation that set the course of the nation to establish the freedoms that we now enjoy. And I know this, this is quite shocking to read for us today. Because all we hear about is grace and mercy and God is love. It's God's wrath that makes God's grace and mercy and love so amazing. And the writer of Hebrews says, I'm not here to tell you everything's going to be alright. When you turn away from Jesus Christ, there is a fearful judgment a fiery indignation without mercy. There is a judgment coming. God is the judge. And that day will be a day of revelation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, It says, judge nothing before the time when the Lord shall come. And notice what he says here. Who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and he will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Then shall every man have praise from God. In that day, all the hidden things... That you've kept from everybody else. All your internet searches. All the things you've thought. The counsels of your heart. All that evil will be completely revealed. There is nothing hidden before God. Even today. I mean, you appear in a human court. They can only take the witnesses. They, they, they can only read the character references. There is no need for character references. There is no need for witnesses in God's court. Because He knows it all. And it is a day of revelation. And God will bring justice. The word vengeance in this passage 
is an unfortunate translation. It conveys an idea of vindictiveness, which in the original language, it it has no bearing. Its full meaning is to mete out justice to all parties. It's not vindictive. God is not vindictive, but He is just. And He will bring justice to all parties. The judgments of God are holy and right and free of any element of self-gratification. In fact, God tells us he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So it's not like he's laughing and saying, depart from me. He takes no delight because he knows this was unnecessary. God sends no one to hell. We choose to reject his gift and we choose to bear our own consequences. And, and this is a just response by God. In Galatians 6 it says, If you sow, you plant to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But he says, If you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And he says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't think you can sow to the flesh and reap benefits. You may think you are. You may think you're getting by with it. But you're not. Because God is not mocked. That passage says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. As I said... The biggest day of your life and my life is yet ahead of me. And you may have had some big days in your life. You may, may have made some giant business deals or whatever. The biggest day of our life is when I, as an individual with no one else, will stand before God. And give account of my life. So let me just quickly make some applications here. Number one, we need to fear God. It is a fearful thing to stand before God. And in understanding, I will be able to hide nothing. I'll be able to deny nothing. I I will be speechless before God. God is to be feared. Why? Because He is the authority. He is the final authority. He is to be feared. When, when you are seated and, and you know the judge is the authority, it's like, boy, I hope they're looking favorably on me. They are to be feared. Secondly, there is only one escape from the judgment of condemnation. That is Jesus Christ. We are all born into this world as sinners 
And John chapter 3 and verse 36 says, We are already condemned because we're sinners. We're, we're in this pit of condemnation. And if something isn't done with my sin, only forgiveness through Jesus Christ, I will stand before God as a condemned sinner and He will prove to me that I never called upon Jesus Christ. I never applied the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. And I will be condemned for all eternity. There's only one way out of that condemnation, and that is through Jesus Christ. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. And it doesn't matter. You can say, I've grown up in church and my great-great-grandparents have found this church or whatever. No matter what you say, if every answer is wrong except the blood of Jesus Christ covers my sins. That is it alone. That's how we escape the judgment of condemnation. But another application regarding the judgment, God will reveal and reward your life as a believer. So as a believer, you are saved from the judgment of condemnation. But as we said, you are going to appear before God. And I don't have time to look at it. We will, Lord willing, the next hour. 1 Corinthians 3, your life will be tried by fire. That which was done under the glory of God will be purified as gold, silver, and precious stone. Anything that was done selfishly, bad motive, whatever else, for this life will be like wood, hay, and stubble. It'll burn up. It'll be gone. It'll disappear. And then God said that He will reward us according to what we have done. And He said, some will be saved... So as by fire is the term he used, meaning they'll be saved and that is it. After they were saved, they had nothing to, to show for it. And, and to, I can't imagine, I, I can't even comprehend what it would be like to look at the Savior in the face, knowing what he did and suffered and endured for me because of my sin, and to have nothing to offer him. It says they will suffer loss. People say, I'll just be glad to be in heaven. You cannot imagine what it's going to be like to suffer the shame, to look our Savior in the face and say, I took your gift and then I lived selfishly. It was all about me. We can't imagine what it is to suffer loss. God will reveal and reward your life. The biggest day of our life is yet ahead of us. And what we do today determines our fate tomorrow. 
There's some of you that are still figuring out what you're going to do with Jesus. Some of you know that you know it, you acknowledge it, but you've not really committed all to him. And if you were to die today, you will be condemned for all eternity. I take no delight in saying that. And and I'm preaching this message because God led, but also I don't want to see anyone be condemned for all eternity. And what you do with Jesus Christ determines that. Today is the day of salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation? And then, to believers, what you do today will determine what it's going to be like to stand before God. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. But if we go on and sin and act like nothing happened and, and do not take seriously the holiness of God and do not confess our sin, we will in shame and reproach suffer loss before Him. But what we do today determines our fate tomorrow. One other application that I didn't put down If we know all this, if we have trusted Christ, then we ought to be warning others that the biggest day of their life is yet ahead. And to warn them by telling them the good news of Jesus Christ. That there is forgiveness of sin in Jesus Christ. Wonderful grace of Jesus reaching the most defiled by its transforming power. I have been made his child. Chains have been torn asunder, setting my spirit free. Oh, the wonderful grace of Jesus. What makes it so wonderful? This awe-inspiring judgment is weighed upon my head. But he says, I forgive you through the name and the blood of my Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Spirit would make real your character, your nature, your holiness, your love in our hearts and lives here today. And Lord, I pray for any individual here this morning that is not sure they're a child of yours. Lord, I pray in genuine faith in your work that they would cry out to you for mercy, for forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that your spirit would bear witness with their spirit that they are a child of yours. Lord, don't let anyone put it off another moment. And then, Lord, I pray for we as believers. I pray that this thought would purify us. 
that we do not want to stand before you and and come up empty-handed, that we do not want to hang on to our sins and let them hinder our walk with you and let them bring shame to your name. So, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would thoroughly work in each of our hearts. We are in desperate need of, of a spiritual awakening in our own hearts. So, Lord, may the fear of you grip us and may the joy of you control us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.